Save big money and transform your home with new appliances now at Menards. We offer the lowest prices and the largest in-stock appliance selection ready to take home today. Check out top appliance brands, including KitchenAid, Maytag, Whirlpool, Amana, and Criterion. Upgrade your home and save big money on new appliances at Menards. Shop our entire selection of appliance options online today at Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. I haven't really woken up until I've had my McDonald's breakfast deal. And I know this is true because before breakfast, I put my phone in the refrigerator and couldn't find the keys that were already in my hand. Nothing gets the morning going like the first sip of an iced coffee. Get any size and any flavor for 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary. McDonald's. I'm loving it. Hi, this is Bob Costas, and you're listening to the ML Sports Platter. The ML Sports Platter, back with you all over the major platforms like Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Deezer, anywhere else you get podcasts on your smartphone device. We're brought to you by Bryant and Stratton College for every and in life, two- and four-year degrees, starting always at Bryant and Stratton College. Make sure you visit the website at bryantstratton.edu. Two great locations if you're in and around the central New York area, of course, out in Liverpool and in the city on James Street. Big tip of the cap. Thank you as well to Barks and Rec Doggy Daycare, Hides of Liverpool, Camillus Golf Club, and our friends over at Rosie's Corner. Pizza, pasta, hot and cold subs, and more. And of course, every week, the theme food knocks it out of the park. Fish Friday, Meatloaf Monday, Chicken and Biscuit Wednesday. Go get it. It's great. They will also deliver to you, or you can get them on Grubhub as well, on Facebook, on Instagram. Man, I'm telling you, try those garlic parm wings. Try the gold fever wings. Incredible. I'll put Rosie's Corner wings up against anybody in central New York. If you're in and around the area, make sure you stop by Rosie's right off the Bartell Road exit in Brewerton. Support local business during these continued tough times. And, of course, if you're stopping by, uh, visiting home, etc., order that pizza and wing combo from Rosie's as well. Rosie's Corner, a proud ML Sports Platter sponsor. Well, he played for the Yankees, the Rays, the Devil Rays, Padres, Tigers, and Red Sox. He is now a terrific analyst for the Yes Network. Let's bring in Flash, John Flaherty. John, how are you? Ah, it's great to be with you. You're welcome. So we're not that far away from baseball. Uh, Last year, 2020, was wild for so many reasons, baseball included. Does it feel like we're inching towards another season, or are you kind of in la-la land like me? <laughs> <laughs> you know what, uh, it's, it was encouraging the commissioner saying, you know, for all the teams, organizations to uh, get ready for spring training uh, with the timing being usual, mid-February, pitchers and catchers, there's nothing better than that. Uh, but with all of that being said, you know, the players have to prepare the right way, but I think everybody is probably cautiously optimistic uh, with what this virus is doing, and you know, hopefully we can get down to spring training on time and, and have a full 162 in a postseason would be great. What are the Yankees doing this offseason? I mean, is there a target? Is there a goal? Is there, is it, I, I can't believe I'm even asking this, are they watching the money? I mean, what are they, what are they doing right now? Well, all the above. Uh, yeah, they, they are watching the money. Uh, you know, it, it, it sounds strange uh, to, to hear that from the Yankees, but, uh, you know, Hal Steinbrenner, the Steinbrenner family, the whole organization, you know, all of baseball 
uh, took a big financial hit last year. So uh, it just isn't going to be an overflow of money that can be spent. But with all that being said, the Yankees are going to have the highest payroll again. You know, the priority, obviously, is DJ LeMayu. Uh, I thought this would have been done a lot sooner than, than it has. I, I still am very optimistic that it's going to get done. But I think DJ's finding out there that, you know, the market isn't as fruitful as maybe he thought it was going to be. Uh, you know, there's financial restraints all the way around, and he's probably looking for the best offer. Would go back to Brian Cashman and the Yankees and let them know what that offer is, and then you would assume that a deal would get done. So uh, they're they're kind of in a waiting game right now, really, to be honest with you, because they can't really make too many moves without knowing what DJ is going to do. Where did the Yankees fall short ultimately last year? Where where do you think it was the biggest hole that that, that got exposed? You know, it, that's a good question. Uh, there, there are so many things that you can go back to. Uh, you know, the, the Davy Garcia game where he only pitched one inning, and then you go to a bullpen, and maybe got a little bit, a little cute in that game. I thought, um, you know, you had you had nice postseasons from Stanton, but Judge didn't do a whole lot. You know, Chapman, you remember him giving up the home run uh, to Brasso there against the Rays, but you know, there, there's just. It's a crapshoot when you get to the postseason. You know, Adovino wasn't a factor, so you can you can throw the blame all the way around from, you know, maybe some of the lineup, maybe some of the bullpen, maybe some of the starters, and, and maybe some of the decisions that were made. Are the Yankees too analytical? <laughs> uh, that, that's a very good question. I, I I wouldn't say too analytical. I think that there's a there's a nice balance there. Uh, with Aaron Boone and his coaching staff and the analytics department, you know, but I thought I was a little surprised, uh, you know, with that, that Garcia game again, you know, the, the one inning and then you go to the bullpen and maybe thinking that, that Kevin Cash and the Rays are going to make some switches and you might get an advantage. Uh, I thought that game was maybe a little bit too analytical, but I think if you ask me overall, uh, the Yankees do as good a job as any organization in trying to balance both the analytics and the, the old school and what your eyes tell you. Yes, network analyst John Flaherty, Flash with us, ML Sports Platter, Bryant and Stratton College and Stanley Law Offices bringing it to you. Garrett Cole, dot, 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 and then what in the rotation? What, what I mean, how is this rotation lining up? Because this is, for me, this is the major concern. John, they don't have enough pitching, period. Absolutely. I, I could not agree with you more. Uh, you know, and the problem with the LeMayu negotiations taking as long as it has is you're, you're probably missing out on some opportunities for some, some starting pitching. Uh, you know, I think that the way the market is going, there might be some bargains out there. So to answer your question, we don't know what the rotation is going to look like when we, when we get to opening day. You know, Jordan Montgomery, you feel better about him. Uh, you know, getting back on the mound after Tommy John surgery, and you expect him to be a full go. And you had to like what you saw from Garcia last year. Clark Smith's another young kid. You know, uh, at some point, you, you have to give these kids an opportunity in the rotation because really that's the way uh, these successful organizations are run now. You develop young pitching, uh, you, you use them, you know, as, as long as they can be there with you before they get to free agency um and the Yankees have to do that at some point so maybe it's Garcia maybe it's Smith who are going to get some opportunities but they they have to go out and get a veteran starter who's going to eat up some innings in the middle of that rotation I love Aaron Judge I do he reminds me of so many of my favorite Yankees going back to the Joe Torre era uh, Jeter's my all-time favorite Mattingly's a close second you know I loved O'Neal and um 
you know, Brocious and, and Tino and Pettit. And, and, and I love the collection of guys from 96 to 03, the role players, guys like yourself. Um, you know, ju- it just all worked back then, you know. And Aaron Judge is, is I, I do, I like him a lot. But, man, he's always hurt, John. And so what do you do with him? Because when he's in, he's a top five player. When he's out, you're like, man, is he worth $300 million? I mean, do you do you commit to Aaron Judge? Well, the, the jury's still out on that one, you know, obviously, and, you know, I couldn't agree with you more. You know, when Aaron is in the lineup and, and playing, uh, he's such a productive player, but the, the feel of the Yankee team is so different uh, when he's in the lineup than when he's not. So mm-hmm. um, if he can stay healthy for the next couple of years and prove that, you know, some of these injuries were a fluke, then, you know, maybe you feel good about investing like that type of money. Uh, but, you know, Aaron's got to go out there and do it. Uh, it's at a point now where the injuries have been consistent the last couple of years, and, you know, every player gets to the point they have to uh, make some changes in their training routine or, you know, their body type uh, to stay out on the field and be a productive player. Uh, we do know the Yankees love everything about Aaron Judge, not only what he does out on the field, but the way he carries himself. Uh, he's a leader, the way he deals with the media and how he portrays the organization. Uh, he's, a, he's a perfect Yankee. If he can stay healthy in the next two years, he's going to get paid really well. John Flaherty, Yes Network, here on the ML Sports Platter. You know, there's a lot of guys on this team, Flash, uh, upper 20s, early 30s. The Yankees, I think this roster is aging faster than people realize. Talkman, Staten, Judge, Hicks even with multiple years on his contract. Uh, you've got Gio Urshela. You've got, I mean, there's a lot of guys on this. Sanchez, they're upper 20s, early 30s across the board. Sure, you have Glaber Torres and you have a couple other. I mean, even Garrett Cole, they got to get a lot younger. This is a young man's game now. This is a 20, 21, 22, 23, Fernando Tatis, you know, Ronald Acuna type game. Are the Yankees old? They're not old yet, but okay. they're, you know, they're, they're getting there. And, and a lot of the names that you threw out there, you know, they're decisions that are going to have to be made uh, within the next year or two. You know, and Gary Sanchez is a perfect example of that. He's, uh, he's getting up there a little bit in the age, obviously had a, had a terrible year last year on both sides of the plate. And, uh, you know, that he's going to have to prove that he can uh, can be a productive player for years to come if the Yankees are going to think about keeping him around. But, you know, I couldn't agree with you more, and I mentioned it with the pitching staff. You, you have to develop young, uh, affordable players and impact players in your minor league system, and, and especially out on the mound. Uh, that's the, the difference maker. The Dodgers have done such a great job at it uh, with a lot of you know, nasty young pitching, and obviously they won the World Series last year. So the Yankees, uh, you know, are, are trying to do the same thing. It's scouting, it's development, and when you lost a year of development last year, uh, it's not the easiest thing to do. So Rob Manfred killing the minor leagues, analytics, game too slow, game within the game too slow. <clears throat> There's so many other choices that we have. Is baseball in trouble? probably uh, a little strong. I don't think baseball is in trouble, but baseball uh, needs to get with the times, and, and baseball needs to pay attention. Uh, to your point, it's a, it's a slow game. Uh, there's not a lot happening, a lot of walks, strikeouts, and the occasional home run. Um, I 
believe me, as a, as a broadcaster when I started doing these games in, in 06 and, and now to where we are right now, you, you feel it in the booth that it, it, there's nothing happening during the game. It gets hard to, to talk about things when nothing's happening. Yeah. So I think Major League Baseball recognizes that uh, there's a lot of things out on the table that they're trying to figure out. Uh, to get some more action in the game. Um, hopefully it's going to happen sooner rather than later. But I, I just think there's so much about this sport that, you know, obviously I love and I think a lot of people uh, agree with me how great it is. So if we can make some changes, make it a little more exciting, make it uh, more conducive to the younger generation, then we have to get on board with that. Where is Brian Cashman at his strongest as GM and where is he at his weakest as a GM? Wow, that's a great question. Uh, you know, obviously, Brian, with his track record and, you know, the, the way he uh, has run this organization, it, it stands on its own. I mean, it, it, you know, and everybody can say, well, it's the New York Yankees. They can just outspend everybody else. And, yes, there was a time that that, that, that was happening. Um, but Brian has completely changed this organization with the, the analytic department uh, that, is, that is so important and how he makes decisions. But to answer your question, I think the strength of Brian Cashman is knowing what he doesn't know. Uh, he, he surrounds himself with uh, great baseball people. Uh, his assistant GM uh, was a teammate of mine, a friend of mine, Tim Nearing, who is as old school baseball as you can be. Um, and Brian leans on him for, for that perspective on players. And he also has the analytics and the computer guys, Michael Fishman, who give him the other side of it. And I think Brian's strength really as a GM is balancing both of those and making intelligent decisions. I got a few more for you on, on your playing career and just some overall thoughts. Again, John Flaherty, Flash, Yes Network with us, had a, a very nice career as well for multiple teams. And, and, and having said that, no disrespect to the Red Sox, Tigers, Padres, then Devil Rays, Rays now, but you, you come on at the end with the Yankees, 03, 04, and 05. You put that that uniform on. You put the pinstripes on. Did it did it feel different? Absolutely. I, uh, you know, I grew up in Rockland County, New York, so uh, yep. you know, I, I know exactly what the Yankees mean in, in this state and the city. Um, and I, I put on those pinstripes at the perfect time in my career at the end because uh, I remember saying it then that I felt like I finally made it to the major leagues. When you, you play for the Yankees, it's the best of the best. Um, the expectations are there every year to win a championship. And, and at the end of my career, I loved that. Uh, I knew I wasn't an everyday player anymore, and I felt like I could be a productive backup player. So it was just a, a, a great time in my career. And, you know, to be quite honest with you, when you walk out on the old Yankee Stadium field and there's 56,000 people uh, going nuts for, for their team, that was easy. That was it. Was very easy as a player to get ready to play. You uh, you didn't need a whole lot of help. And you know, I played five years in Tampa Bay. You mentioned it, the old Devil Rays, where we didn't have big crowds, big expectations. That challenges your professionalism. You have to find a way to get yourself going every night and keep yourself motivated. When you play for the Yankees, you don't need any of that. You're motivated day in and day out. So, are you glad you don't have to go out there, Corona era, with no fans? You know, obviously, uh, you know, if I was playing in today's game, I would try to do whatever I could do to get out on the field and keep everybody safe and, and you know, give, a, give a, an entertaining product to everybody because I feel how, or I feel or know how important it is to, uh, to Yankee fans, to baseball fans. So with all that being said, I think the players did a great job last year. They made some adjustments during the year. 
I think all of Major League Baseball did the best that they could, but you know, obviously, it is not not the same game, the same environment without our great fans. So hopefully, we're going to see some of that as the year moves on this year and get back to uh, full stadiums again. The Yankee Red Sox rivalry through the years has been amazing, but from '99 to '04, it was absurd. I mean, it was on the highest of levels. Who's your daddy? The Boone home run, the breaking of the curse, all that sort of stuff. The A Rod thing, you know, the high the high heat, Veritech. I mean, it goes on and on and on. So in 2003, ALCS, that series is going on, and it's back and forth, and it's it's Ali Frazier, right? What is going through your mind on a daily basis? What in the world is it like to be in the middle of that <laughs> that series? Well, I'm actually going to take you back. You know, when I came up through the minor leagues with the Red Sox, you know, when we played the Yankee organizations at all the different levels, it was different back then. You knew it. It was was a different series. So uh, it brews in the minor leagues. And then once you get to the major leagues, and you mentioned that time in 03, and, you know, to, to be a part of a series like that, a rivalry like that, where both teams were were so good but the the best part about it is that both teams had personalities on it that the other side hated we we couldn't stand some of the the red sox players and you mentioned the cowboy up and all these things that happened um there was there was tension there was hatred on both sides so it doesn't get any better than that and when you're in the middle of a series like that and ends up going seven games you're 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 so focused on you know day in and day out and for me it was what is my job today? What might the opportunities be for me to help this team? And obviously, with Jorge Posada starting, it was just a focus on you know late in games. Is there going to be a pinch runner for Posada? Am I going to be working with some of these bullpen guys? I might have an opportunity to lay down a sacrifice bunt late in the game um, to, to do some little things. So you, you 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 understand the magnitude of the series and, and all the excitement around it, but as a player, you're really locked in on what's my job today. So uh, as exciting as it was uh, to win that series, it was equally deflating uh, to, to go to the World Series and, and lose because we felt like the World Series you know atmosphere was during that ALCS. It was amazing. Okay, and then 2004... Which, by the way, I was might have been the worst year of my life. Um, <laughs> you know, but but the games in the regular season were also insane. And I believe it was a game in July. I believe it was a 13 inning game against the Red Sox at at Yankee Stadium. Jeter dives into the stands. His face is all bloody. 13 innings. You get the game winning pinch hit single for victory. Now, John, no offense, but as a diehard Yankee fan since the age of five. I, I wish that game didn't happen because what happened was Jeter diving in, you get the pinch hit. That changed everything because then they shift Nomar out. They pick up Minkiewicz. They, they redo their roster. And even though the Yankees took a 3-0 lead after that, I think it was 19-8 to in game three at Fenway, the Yankees lose four in a row because something just happened in that series, one game after another, after another, after another. 0-4, you know, you follow up 0-3 with the height of unbelievable, holy crap, Aaron Boone home run, even though you lose to the Marlins. The year after, the Red Sox take it back from you. So go from your pinch hit game-winning single to losing four in a row and being on the other side and, and being lower than low, right? Well, absolutely. Um, you know, it, it, it was, uh, you know we, we were having our way with the Red Sox early that year, and you mentioned that game July 1st. Uh, we ended up sweeping the Red Sox in that series. Brad Halsey went toe-to-toe yeah. with Pedro. It was yep. great. Yep. Um, 
you know, and it's an exciting win. And, you know, really a lot of the talk uh, around the Red Sox was, you know, they knew that they didn't have any mojo going. You know, they knew that they were, you know, deflated. And, of course, you mentioned some of the changes that they made, and all of a sudden they, they had this chemistry coming down the stretch. So once we got, uh, you know, to the to the playoffs and we were up 3 nothing. Um, you know, it was it was a thought like, okay, we're in really good shape, and you know, maybe we got ahead of ourselves a little bit. But I, I really felt like games four and five, when you, you lose extra inning games, uh, it only goes down as one loss, but it feels like you just lost a doubleheader. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was it was uh, it it felt more than just one loss. And even though we were ahead coming back to Yankee Stadium, uh, we knew that the momentum had changed because of the way the Red Sox had won some of those late inning games, the dra- dramatics, extra innings all of that uh so we knew we were in a little bit of trouble when we got back to yankee stadium so you know that walk in from uh from the bullpen after you lose four in a row is a, a very humbling walk and and you you know if you're going to be there for the success you have to stand up uh in front of everybody when when there's failure so it was uh it was a tale of two different years uh obviously 03 a lot better for me than 04 you, like so many former athletes in all sports, have made a transition into broadcasting, into media, but not just a transition. You've made a, an incredibly successful transition. You are awesome on camera. You guys at the Yes Network knock it out of the park. Jack Curry, you, Cone, everybody, Michael Kay. <clears throat> when did you realize, two-part question to end, when did you realize you wanted to do this? And I think number the, the second part would be, Hey, I'm I'm pretty damn good at it, and and you and you make and you and you made that like you felt like now. Hey, I, I belong in this new world, like because there there's a time when you you must feel like okay, now I'm here, right? I've arrived, I belong. Well, thank you for the kind words, but you know, to be honest with you, my my broadcasting career, I feel like has taken on the personality of my playing career, and I never felt like. Hmm. I made it as a player. I, I felt, you know, I was there for, you know, parts of 13 and a half, 14 years, whatever it was. And, and it was, uh, it was a grind, you know, mentally every day. I always felt like I had to keep my pedal to the metal, keep working at this. You know, you got players coming up, you might get traded. It's just so much going on. So I kind of have treated my, my broadcasting career the same way. Um, I realized that I didn't have the uh, the biggest name recognition, you know, obviously that Paul and David have. Uh, so, you know, my boss, John Filippelli, was very honest with me early on. He said, listen, you're going to have to do this better. <laughs> you're going to have to do this better than the other guys because you're going to have to prove yourself more than them uh, because of the name recognition. So I have never, like, let up in, in my preparation for doing these games. But I think you do get more comfortable as you, as you get some experience and you develop your own style and, Really, the one thing I think that has helped me was growing up in the New York area and, and knowing uh, the fan bases of both the Mets and the Yankees. You know, they're, they're very knowledgeable. You have to be honest with them. You can't um, kind of sugarcoat anything. And I think my direct, honest approach uh, maybe has been appreciated. And, you know, I work at it. I enjoy it. Uh, I enjoy being at the ballpark every day and, and, you know, doing a live telecast that gets the adrenaline going again. So, uh, I still feel like I have a lot more to go and a lot and a lot of ways to get better. So hopefully that'll happen. By the way, you know what people forget about in your career? You had a 27 game hitting streak. I think in '96, I believe, as a member of the Tigers. That's the third longest streak of all time by a catcher behind Alomar Jr. and Santiago. Isn't that right? 
It is. And wow. It, it actually it actually happened after the when I got traded to the San Diego Padres, and um, yep. you know I was swinging the bat pretty good in Detroit. Got traded over to San Diego and promptly went over my first ten and couldn't get a ball out of the infield and was really putting some pressure on myself and. Merv Retmond, who was a hitting instructor there, who was one of my favorites, you know, kind of gave me a little tip on uh, moving my hands, getting a little rhythm happening before uh, before I was getting ready to swing. And it was just a month and a half where everything just slowed down for me. And uh, it, it just I, I almost told myself, I said, this must be what it's like. Uh, for the great players in the game because it slowed down for some reason. And it was a great month and a half, and I was never able to replicate it. It's amazing. You get in that good spot, you think you found it. Uh, but every year it was different, and it was a struggle. But uh, I certainly enjoyed those 27 games. Yeah, and then the hitting streak ends, and you go, how, really, Joe DiMaggio? Like, really, how'd you do that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And you know what got me, too, was uh, you know Tony, Tony Gwynn was a teammate of mine. Oh. And when I got a hit in the 26th game, he came up to me, and he said, well, you just blew me out of the water and beat my longest hitting streak. And <laughs> that's when reality hits. Yeah. You're like, okay, this is not supposed to be happening to me and and you know i i think the reality of it kind of hit me when tony said those words to me. yeah i remember in 97 i went down to the brand new uh you know because they had just had the olympics in 96 in atlanta and the year after uh, we had some friends in atlanta they were season ticket holders big money you know people and they had 20 or so rows up from home plate and it was Padres Braves, and I went down wearing all my Yankee stuff, which didn't go go well. Um, but anyway, I sat behind there and, and Gwyn homered, and I said, "Man, a lie," you know. And then fast forward, you know, what was it? Uh, ten ten years exactly, and I'm in the media, and I'm covering him and Ripken going into the Hall of Fame, and you know, you, you think about those kind of things and those moments in the baseball, everything in baseball and sports. It's it's so weird how everything comes together like that. That's that's great that you had that that moment with with Tony he was man he must have been something to, to to spend some time with as a hitter gosh nobody studied it like and maybe Ted Williams and him right the top two wow no absolutely and, and I think you know again I mentioned I grew up in New York being an East Coast guy uh you know West Coast you didn't know a whole lot I mm-hmm. mean you knew Tony Gwynn you knew he was a great player uh but when I got out there and you get to watch this guy every day and you mentioned how he prepared I mean his he would have his own batting practice at 2 o'clock, right? And it was it was at his own pace. Um, sometimes Caminiti was out there with him, but he, he would just lock in on his craft every day. Uh, we all know about the video work that he did. But to be quite honest with you, I did not know that he was that good of a right fielder. Um, the range that he had, the throwing arm, and how accurate it was. And, you know, Tony was a bigger guy. Tony was a great base runner. So, you know, when you when you don't get to see him every day, you know what a great hitter he was. But the all around player was uh, was really impressive. Doing amazing work as an analyst for the Yes Network, covering the New York Yankees and Major League Baseball. Played uh, some years for the Red Sox, Tigers, Padres, uh, the Rays, Devil Rays at the time, and of course, 2003 through 05 with the New York Yankees. John Flaherty. Flash, this was amazing. Thanks so much for jumping on. Uh, can't get enough, obviously, of the coverage in the offseason. Can't wait for first pitch. And uh, really continued success to you, and hopefully I'll uh, I'll see you down the road. I hope so. I look forward to it. I enjoyed it, and it was my pleasure. The ML Sports Platter brought to you by Stanley Law Offices. It's simple. Just call Joe. Visit him online at stanleylawoffices.com and all the social media platforms. Thanks to Camilla's Golf Club, Brian Convoy of Mass Mutual New York State, and Hides of Liverpool. Visit hidesofliverpool.com. And don't forget, online and in person at the register, 
Use the code MLSP, MLSP, ML Sports Platter, MLSP. Use that code MLSP and get 10% off your in-person order at the register or online for curbside pickup, apparel, and anything else that you want shipped to your house if you live outside of central New York. Huge, huge thanks to John Flaherty. What a job he does on the Yes Network. I'm Mike Lindsley. This is the ML Sports Platter. As I always tell you, enjoy the games. Snow falls on an old apartment. Inside, the holiday season is in swing. On the first floor, Cokes are poured and stories shared among friends. Three flights up, one generation passes down the family recipe to the next. So good. Inside every home, there's magic. Coca-Cola. Real magic. Enjoy the real magic of the season with close friends, family, and refreshing Coca-Cola paired with all your holiday meals. I haven't really woken up oh, until I've had my McDonald's breakfast deal. And I know this is true because before breakfast, I put my phone in the refrigerator and couldn't find the keys that were already in my hand. Nothing gets the morning going like the first sip of an iced coffee. Get any size and any flavor for 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary. McDonald's. I'm loving it. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.